Hello and welcome to episode 119 of the Massive Attack Podcast. I'm Joe and with me as always is Mitch. G'day. And we are continuing with our A to Z. So we've got up to the letter F. So there were quite a few things we thought about doing for the letter F. Fudge. We thought about fudge. We thought about doing the video game Far Cry. I suggested talking about Faith No More, but you said you wouldn't be able to do it justice. No, definitely not. As much as I'd like to. But speaking of Faith No More, did you see the song that was released like a week ago by Mike Patton, lead singer of Faith No More? No, I didn't. I, th- I wasn't sure what was going on. I'm looking at my feed on Facebook and it's like, why is Mike Patton talking about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Really? And what happened is they're releasing a, I don't know if it's a, no, it's a game on all, all consoles platforms. It's a, it's a, like the old arcade game called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. Oh, awesome. And Mike Patton sang the theme song for it, which is just essentially the Turtles theme, like the same lyrics and everything, with a bit more of a grindy guitar to it, but it's essentially the same thing, but with <laughs> Patton singing the lyrics. It's like, what? What's going on? And I said it to my co-host from the Geek Dudes podcast, Jonesy, who's also a massive Faith No More fan, saying, did you see this? And he's like, my 90s just peaked. <laughs> wow, I have to go check it out. Yes. Sorry, you brought up Faith No More. That's just crazy. No, we've decided we'd go back to the dim, dark past of the 80s when we were just coming into our teenage years. You would have been still, I think, nine or ten. When they first came out, I was young, but I, I read them in primary school. I do remember them late primary school, so we're talking, yeah, 85-ish. So we're talking about the Fighting Fantasy Game Book series because we are huge nerds. Yeah, we're not helping ourselves no, at all by doing these topics. No. So just to throw a bit of background information, probably late primary school for me, probably mid-primary school for you, early 80s, there started to be a bit of a trend in young fiction for choose-your-own-adventure books. Yes. So there was a series of those that came out. My favorite was The Race Forever. And they were just stories where you were kind of like the main character in the book. And it didn't follow a linear path like a normal book. It gave you choices and how you made the choices determined the end of the story. Some of them were good. Some of them were bad. Sometimes you died. Sometimes you you lived happily ever after, that sort of stuff. But that evolved in the early 80s into the fighting fantasy books, which were kind of that next level. Yes. And they were, for many kids, the bridge between reading and playing these sort of game books and getting into tabletop RPGs like Dungeons and Dragons. Like, I don't know if you ever got into Dungeons and Dragons. No. Um, one, it was too reedy. I'm, I'm a terrible reader. I could read these because they're kind of short. I didn't understand Dungeons and Dragons. My friends got into it in about grade six and they all sold themselves to the devil. <laughs> no, just kidding. No, I, and I never got into I didn't understand. So we never had sessions. Yep. I actually got to a point of rolling up characters and had characters and I rolled up my stats. I did everything and I had a castle. And then the DM came up to lunchtime and said, oh, your castle's being destroyed. It's like, what do you mean? It's like, your castle's being destroyed. It's like, okay, what do I do? It's like, well, you got to do something about it. It's like, how? I don't know. <laughs> And I meant to tell him things, but I didn't yeah. know that. So it was sort of this weird game that was taking place outside of mm. time. So we weren't sitting down playing it. It was sort of happening. So that was quite weird. So I never really got into it, and I didn't get into it till I was about 19 or 20, where I played my first game of it, and I had probably five or six sessions, which was a lot of fun. It's just that group just sort of disbanded, and I never had another group of friends who played it. So that's that's my only experience with it. But, yeah, I, I, it would have been something I would have adored if I had 
friends. I kind of got into it late high school as well. We used to sit in the library at lunchtime and avoid the sunlight so our pasty white skin didn't burn. And yeah, I used to have a, a character. I used to walk around the school with a pocket full of die 20s. And, but yeah, yeah, I probably played for, I think, a, a campaign we managed to drag out over a year. But then after that, after I left school, I, I didn't really seek it out. But anyway, so we've kind of got off topic already. But, yeah. no, no, but then that's the origins of this stuff. So like you said, there was Dungeons and Dragons came out in the mid 70s. Yep. And there were other types of games. Dungeons and Dragons mm-hmm. most popular and most famous. But there were other types of these sort of role-playing games out there. And you said there was, I don't know if Choose Your Own, I was going to research and I didn't get a chance to, but Choose Your Own Adventure was sort of the gateway of these books into it. Now, I remember book club at school. Yes. Remember once or twice a year, you get that whole little catalogue of, oh, I want to buy these books from the school. And so Choose Your Own Adventure was the big name ones. I remember that. But there was also Pick a Path and Twister Plot. And they were like the cheaper version. They were a lot thinner. Mm, I never read those. They might have been for younger readers. I just remember they were a lot thinner and really cheaper quality paper and all this sort of stuff. But yeah, so I, like I said, I I wasn't a great reader. So these things were short. And because they were sort of interactive, I was sort of like so much more the gamification was great. So I was like, oh, this is awesome. I love these. I remember writing a book report in like grade five or six. And I did like three in a row. It's like the main character is you. (laughs) You know, you're talking about. In book reports, meant to talk about the characters and this and that. <laughs> like, yeah, and they sort of said, no more. <laughs> you can't do yeah. these anymore. you got to do book reports, a real book. Mm. There definitely were some kids in my year levels that were doing that same thing. Not only that, I, I, I actually have quite a few in my collection. I don't have too many Choose Your Own Adventures, but I do have a couple of volumes of Find Your Fates, I think they were called, and they were Indiana Jones ones. So they're Choose Your Own Adventure versions of an Indiana mm. Jones stories. And I've also got some Marvel superhero versions too. I've got about three volumes of that. So they were really a genre I liked, and I think it's just because I'm lazy. It looks like I'm reading a full novel, but it's not. <laughs> no. So I guess the difference between the Choose Your Own Adventure and the Fighting Fantasy books is these added the extra element of having yes. dice and creating a character, and you actually did battles by rolling dice and testing more numbers of dice against your opponent's number of dice. And it gave you that whole, is it a game, is it a book element to it, which drew in quite a lot of kids. Like, I I was very much a fantasy kid. I know you were more of a a science fiction kid. Sci-fi kid, that's right, yes. But I was was running around with my wooden sword and pretending I was Hercules. My wooden sword was a lightsaber, so there. But the idea of being able to read a book where you are the character and you're going through a dungeon looking for treasure – Killing monsters was a great thing for me when I was a little, you know, little eleven-year-old joke. So I'm just looking at what I'm looking at the Citadel of Chaos here, which is a copy of I've got, which is book two in the collection of Fighting Fantasy books. And you have at the start where you have to roll up your character, so you're meant to roll dice, and the number is your initial number of your you roll for skill, stamina, and luck. And they're the numbers you're working. And as you said, when you go through the game, you either lose health or you have to fight against other creatures and the skill and the stamina and the luck contribute to that so you're rolling dice by doing those sort of things and as you go along the way you pick up magic spells and gold and equipment and you write all those things down yeah so i'm actually looking here and there is words i did write in the book but i don't think i did that i think because this is a second hand book i bought from someone else i wouldn't have written in the book because i hate doing that sort of stuff i like Mm. to keep things clean no i was Either photocopied the game page with uh, the character creation, or I just wrote one up myself on a piece of paper and drew a picture, you know, 
curly pictures in the corners and stuff to make it look like it was a scroll. You you did. Because I did, because I was a nerd. (laughs) (laughs) So getting back to the story of these. So they came out in 1982, and the main writers of the first book, which was The Warlock of Firetop Mountain, Ian Livingston and Steve Jackson, so two dudes from England, not to be confused with Steve Jackson, the game designer from America. Well, I was this many years old to find out that that Steve Jackson from Steve Jackson Games is not the Steve Jackson from Fighting Fantasy Books, except Steve Jackson did write Fighting Fantasy Books. Yes, the Steve Jackson from Steve Jackson Games was hired to write books for Fighting Fantasy by the other Steve Jackson, <laughs> not to be confusing at all. No, definitely not. So there are two Steve Jacksons who are very famous for making games. Yep like tabletop and role-playing games. Yes. They are two different people. One's American, one's English. wrote fighting fantasy books. <laughs> yes, just the one though. Yes. But yeah, so originally- Very confusing. Originally, Ian Livingston and Steve Jackson had met at some nerdy gaming convention and they decided that they were going to get together and write these books to bridge the gap, as I said, between traditional role-playing games and give someone a bit of an easy way. And it was a chance to play by yourself. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm sure a lot of these guys are playing with themselves already. So, <laughs> But it was something you could do quite easily. Most people have a couple of die sixes laying around the house, steal them out of your Monopoly set, do whatever. So, yeah, they decided they would write this game book where you could just have the book, have a dice, get it over with pretty quickly, and as you said, play quickly by yourself. So the first one they wrote half each. So I think Ian Livingston wrote the first half, Steve Jackson wrote the second half. And there was a little bit of confusion because they changed the dynamic of the way the fighting works. And I think one of them used skill and stamina and strength and the other one used health as the word they were using. But So they went to Puffin Books in England. The producer or the editors, whatever they are at Puffin, had a read of them and went, yeah, I think this will do something. And they released their first version of the book. Well, that book went absolute gangbusters and sold a couple of million very quickly, was reprinted worldwide, and it spawned a series which I think originally had about 20 books in. Something like that when they first stopped publishing it. And then by the end of sort of mid-80s, they'd got a couple of other people on board and they had another series. So... All up, I think there is 50, 59 books in that first run of series that ran from 82 to 95. And during that time as well, they spun off into a magazine. I don't know if you ever had the Warlock magazine when you were a kid. No. But I had a couple of issues of that as well. And originally, I think they published the Warlock of Firetop Mountain over a couple of issues. So you could read part of the story in one magazine and then move on to the next issue of the magazine and read like another part of the story as well. It also had little tips and hints of how to do better in your book, how to draw the characters from the book. So it was for, for little nerdy fantasy kids like me when I was in my teens. It was it was great. So yeah, that it only ran for about a year though, I think 13 issues, and then they decided they weren't going to continue with the book anymore. I don't know, but for me, it just came at that time when everyone was kind of like fantasy, 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 this is great, bang. But there was probably half a dozen that were sci-fi related. There were. Now, I like you said, I was a sci-fi guy, and I love these books, but I was more sci-fi. So when a sci-fi book came out, I was excited. But the sci-fi ones were a bit shit. Like, the fantasy ones seemed to be better. Starship Traveler was the first one. That was book four. Yep. Yeah, there was horror books. So mostly they were fantasy. So we'll go through the first iteration. We had Warlock Firetop Mountain was one, Citadel of Chaos was two, Forest of Doom was three, Starship Traveler was four. So Forest of Doom was actually the first book that I got in the series. 
Mm-hmm. And it's still probably my favourite. Dig it's great cover. Yeah. City of Thieves was five. Death Trap Dungeon was six. Now that seems to be my favourite, and I think it's mainly because of the cover. Yep. Island of the Lizard King I like, which is seven, which is it's really easy to get through. I finished that one many times. Scorpion Swamp, Heavens of the Snow Witch. So Scorpion Swamp was the one that Steve Jackson, the American wrote. Oh, okay. Yeah. I remember that's sort of when I got into it because I remember going to, I think it was Colin's Bookshop back in the day, Greensboro Shop. Center and I go in. I knew where the Final Fantasy section was, and I go in there, and that's when I caught up because I'm looking here and they changed the cover sort of artwork. Yeah, Citadel of Chaos, Forest of Doom, Death Chapter, and they all look like a fantasy book. Where Island of Lizard King, which is seven, they've got the green spines with the fighting fantasy branding on it and all this sort of stuff. So it looks they're all looking the same family after that. Yeah. So I think my first one was House of Hell, which was a horror title. And from memory, not that good. So that was what I, I think I bought when it was brand new. I liked all that. And then there was Talisman of Death, Space Assassin. I remember getting that one. And Freeway Fighter, I was so excited about because I'm a big Mad Max fan. I love my cars. And Freeway Fighter was a set in the future where you got guns and all that on top of big American, like, old classic cars. And you're driving around an apocalypse with this stuff. So you not only did you have fighting... You also had car fighting as well. So there were two mechanics in this one. Hmm. I love that, not because it was good. Just the aesthetic. Because it was my genre. And I think they added a fuel as well, didn't they, as one of the things you had to roll for at the start? Yeah, so your car had strength and everything and ammunition and fuel. And if you run out of fuel, book was over. Had to start again. Hmm. So, yeah. Now, now, all right. Now, we talked about all these mechanics where you had to roll dice. So if you come across a trap that you had to survive or a beastie that you had to fight, like, all right, here's your health, here's their health, there's your strength. You've got to roll for that creature's strength, add it onto the number and do it for yourself. And if you lose, take a health point off. If you win, take a health point off them until someone wins. Yep. How much did you do it? You would have done it every time, wouldn't you? When I was a kid, I used to roll every time. Yeah. As I went back and re-read them, I would normally go through and go, yep, I've won that fight. Let's just continue. Yeah, me too. It didn't take a lot before I started going, yeah, I won that. I was like, why? Because it doesn't, it's not like there's any skill in rolling a die. No. Because it's not like you could use any strategy. Well, you could use your luck sometimes if you, if you want to test your luck when you're in a fight. You might dodge their thing and only get hit by one health point rather than two or something like that. Yeah, you might. Or it's just like, if you win, go to this page. All right, I go to that page, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Still pretty clear. Yeah, so I did that. So The other thing was by the time I was reading some of these, I was reading them in class where I wasn't allowed to be rolling my dice on the table when we were meant to be having quiet reading. So obviously you do have to go ahead and pretend you've won every fight. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Necessity, not cheating. Well, another thing they bought out, and this was more mature, and I've actually got one of them. I've got book three. Not, they bought out a four-part fighting fantasy book called the Steve Jackson Sorcery Series. Yes. And they were, they were self-contained, but they told a bigger story. Yep. They were slightly bigger than the other book, and they had a, a few more mechanics to it which made it kind of cooler and a bit more adult and a bit more, oh, you're just reading fantasy, I'm reading the sorcery books. But um, not only that, you didn't need dice in this one. No. Because what they did, they published two die at the bottom of every page. So you could flick through the book like, uh, you know, when you do a cartoon sort of image or a flick flick book. And you you flip through and stop on a random page, and I just did it now, and I got a one and a six. Well done. So there's my sentence. And then I just did it again, and I got a five and a one. So you didn't need dice. You could just flick through the book, which is genius. Love the ingenuity. Hmm. 
It was clever, wasn't it? And that that's sort of where it ended. I'm looking at my collection of books here. I think because I don't, I, there are a few. I look at the list now, and I think I may have lent them to you, and I haven't got them back. Mm-hmm. Oh no, Master Mayhem was book twenty three. That is definitely the last one I bought. I have a few gaps, but that was the very last one I bought, which was nineteen eighty six. I think. Yeah, I think was it Seas of Blood was the pirate one, and that's book sixteen. I think that was the last one I remember. Okay. Yeah. So I was in there till eighty six. By the look of it, looking at what I've got now and looking at the names that come after that, it's like, yeah, no, I definitely don't remember any of those. But I thought Fighting Fantasy ended there, but no, reading on, it kept going. So not only was there like the magazine you talked about and the sorcery novels, they did a bunch of other novels and they did some actually role playing. They called Advanced Fighting Fantasy, which was just basically ripping off Advanced Dungeons and Dragons at yes. the time. And that was a more role playing yep. games. As opposed to, well, I don't know what you call these books, choose your own adventure books. Hmm. And in 86, they actually brought out two books, which are two player fighting fantasy books, which sounds quite interesting. That could be fun. Hmm. I never remember them coming out here in Australia. Oh, I never saw them. I would have totally ate them up. But yes. And then they got sold. Like So their last book they published in their original line was 59 books, like you said, and that finished in 1995. So they seemed pretty prolific for a while at the start when popular was huge. Yeah, so 1995 was the very last publish of the initial, initial run. And then in 2002, Wizard Books bought the rights and started publishing it, and they actually reprinted the original book. So in 2002, they did most of them in order, and they published 29 of them, but actually some of them were new. So by the end of it, they started doing new ones. And then they were sold yet again to Scholastic after that in 2017, and they started reprinting them again. So from 2017 until last year, as of Wikipedia, Crystal of Storms is the very last book published, and that's an original story, and that's book 17 of the collection currently from Scholastic. So Fighting Fantasy is still running and going well. Yeah, and on top of that, they've actually released a series on Steam as well as interactive books, so you can do the reading on the computer and you press a button to roll the dice. Like, it is completely non-animated or anything like that. It is just you reading, and the only animation of the game is dice rolls. But Mm -hmm. it it starts off, the first one you get on Steam is actually free. It's called Blood Bones, which is a pirate game and not written by either of Ian Livingston or Steve Jackson, unfortunately. But that one is free on Steam. And then after that, you buy them as groups of DLC. So you get like four or five books in, in a group for about $15 on Steam. And as I said, you do all the reading on your computer, but you click of a mouse does your rolling of your dice and you progress through the story that way. So it is definitely still a thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's quite a, quite funny though, because when I did the renovations in our house a couple of years ago, we had to pack up all our bookshelf in the lounge room. And at that stage, I had a couple of books still floating around. And the kids were like, oh, you know, what are these books? And I had to explain to my kids what they were. And they were like, oh, can we play them? And I was like, sure. So, so probably about mid-2019, I actually dug up a couple. And my youngest and I read them and I did the reading and he did you know, drew pictures of his character and rolled for his character and stuff. But then as we progressed and my older son decided he wanted to play as well, we ended up playing them almost like a, a campaign in Dungeons and Dragons. So they had their two characters and I would read the book as the dungeon master and not give them page numbers, but sort of sit there and go, you know, if you want to head west, we'll do this. And if you want to go east, we'll do that rather than going go to page 112 or 117 and that sort of stuff. And we actually made a really good game out of it between the family. They had cardboard sheets with their characters drawn up and they created, you know, 
all their roles and they did that in texture and then penciled in the different things so they had a continuous character that they could take to different books and i can definitely see that whole it is your stepping stone into role-playing games because that's exactly what it was. I sat down and I DM'd by reading the book and they played a couple of times. One kid would want to go one way and the other one would want to go the other way and they would argue amongst themselves about what they actually wanted to do. But being the fact that I only had the one book, we had to compromise and go wherever one of them wanted. But it worked really well. We managed to get through all of Death Tap Dungeon as a, a group campaign and we've We've done Forest of Doom a couple of times and, and done a lot of that as well. Yeah, I still get a kick out of these books. I will pick one up every now and then and just flick through it for something to do. I'm not a huge reader anymore, but it is something that I will sit down and read. So it's well, great. I mean, I I got excited just doing the research for this made me excited. But not only is it books, like you said, there's games and there's actually a bunch of games on iOS and Google systems, like you said, with the you know text based. Yep. But there's minimal animation. There, there were a bunch of games over the years as well for PCs and there's Death Trap Dungeon, I think, got a PlayStation 1 game at one oh, point. Oh, did it? That's cool. Yeah. It, it, it's cross-meters in a lot of ways, but the one that interested me that I didn't know about was Fist. Because mm-hmm. I like a good Fist. <laughs> but Fist, F.I.S.T. fantasy interactive scenarios by telephone okay steve jackson wrote this in 1988 and he worked through a company called computer dial and what they used to do was you'd listen and have a basically use your touchtone phone and that's how you'd play the game that's awesome so you'd listen a bit a bit would read to you like you did your children and then it's like push one for this or two for this so you'd play so you'd get a code so you'd actually write in self self-stamped addressed envelope haven't seen that for a very long time you set in they will give you your login code and then you'd ring up and create your character and that character was yours then you played the game and whenever you wanted to stop for the day you push nine and it would save where you were and then you'd ring in and do your next bit and i can bet that this was hideously expensive it was probably like a 1-800 sure. number or one of those double who double five numbers back in the day when you were reading those yeah so i was like oh wow that was fascinating i would have loved that yeah. shit when i was a kid so yeah so there's plenty of other medias so yeah there was games audio books so much sort of stuff and it was a, a real empire that obviously they worked on and they made other games coming off this they spawned off and did other things not as much as i thought because whenever i saw steve jackson games yeah i always thought it was that guy but no no it wasn't that's the trouble of having such a generic sounding name as Steve Jackson. Mm -hmm. So we mentioned before that the cover artwork was pretty cool. And I think that was one of the selling points of the, of the books themselves was how cool the artwork was. It it just filled in, it it felt sort of like those old Conan pictures that you see and, and just that real sort of, you know, airbrushed on the side of a panel van artwork. But it wasn't just the covers. Like inside the books themselves, there was like just line drawings every couple of pages. Like black and white etching sort of stuff, yeah. Exactly. So every couple of pages, you'd have these like full page artwork. But it wasn't just that. So in between some of the panels on the pages, they'd have just little filler artwork. And I remember them really vividly from when I was younger. Like obviously, I've gone back and read them again now. But when I was a kid, just the little skulls and swords and that sort of stuff that they had just in between lines. I, I really remember that sort of stuff as standing out. Just repeated throughout all the books. And it's like, yeah, I, I can remember myself drawing those battle axes and those swords repeatedly. Mm. 
Yeah, definitely. I think it was Island of the Lizard King. They had one that was kind of two skulls in the sand and a, and a sword stuck in between them. It kind of makes me wonder how many kids our age or you know, adults our age now that grew up pretty nerdy have got those little skulls and stuff tattooed somewhere on their bodies. But uh, there, there's probably some. I'm sure there's more than one. Yes, yes, yes. So unfortunately, because of that whole dragons and dungeons and stuff, it did get sucked into the whole moral panic that was going on in the early You're a Satanist. You were going to kill and eat babies. Just because you played fantasy Dungeons and Dragons type games that you were into devil worship. So I don't know if that hampered the sales of the books. They seemed to do pretty well. No, it didn't. Stephen Jackson liked it because thank you, because it made the sales grow. Because I couldn't find it on the book itself, but I did read somewhere where they sold something like 30 million or 12 million copies of books and that was early in it yeah not you know with the multiple multiple print runs and stuff so i think they did okay yeah and i think it got translated into about 17 different languages or something i remember reading somewhere as well so wow it's just so easy but if you want to know more about that moral panic that was on there was a movie from 1982 called mazes and monsters which was a tv movie about the dangers of dungeons and dragons because the problem with Dungeons and dragons is you're role-playing and the problem is it's so realistic that you start believing you're a character, a real character, and it's dangerous. And it stars future Academy Award winning Tom Hanks as a guy who got too into the game and nearly killed himself because it was so dangerous. So, yeah, check that out. Mazes and Monsters starring Tom Hanks. Maybe I'll have to look into that. Star of Bosom Buddies. It's worth it. Yeah, it would have been around the same time as Bosom Buddies too, wouldn't it? I think so. All right. Tom Hanks aside, that's probably a nice place to wrap up for us today. So if you want to jump onto our social medias, let us know what your favourite fighting fantasy book was, whether you're still reading them today or whether you've given up as a, a bit of a nerdy thing from your past. But I'm kind of keen to go back and read them again. Definitely. As I said, my kids are into them. We like to read them together. But yeah, so you can find us on Facebook. We are facebook.com slash the Massive Attack Podcast. We are the MA Podcast on Twitter. And we are the themapodcast.podbean.com. So until next month when we come back with the letter G, thank you very much, Mitch. Thank you. And we'll see you then. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.
thrilling fantasy adventure in which you are the hero.